Hello everybody and welcome to the Bitcoin for Fairness series of the Anita Po show. In this show, we are talking about the role Bitcoin is playing in enabling economic empowerment for individuals and communities by providing fair and open access to a global financial network. My guest today is a pro in this area. It's Nicolas Berté, the co-founder and CEO of Galois Money, the company behind the Bitcoin Beach Wallet that has been used since 2020 and was thrust into the spotlight when lay Bitcoin, the Bitcoin law in El Salvador was passed in June 2021. We are discussing the possibilities for communities to use Bitcoin with a focus on shared custody and the learnings from starting Bitcoin Beach and the Bitcoin Beach wallet in El Salvador. As always, you can watch this interview on YouTube or you can listen to it in a lightning-enabled podcast app. For instance, use the Breeze Tech Wallet or the Fountain app or the Sphinx Chat app. Thanks for supporting the Bitcoin for Fairness initiative. Go out to the Human Rights Foundation, which is uniting the world to stand against tyranny. Leden.io financial services for holders of digital assets and OKCoin, the globally licensed cryptocurrency exchange. Learn Bitcoin will teach you the why and how to use Bitcoin. To safely navigate this financial technology, you'll need the knowledge that this book provides. Jameson Lopp, co-founder and CTO, CASA. Order your copy now at learnbitcoin.link. That's learnbitcoin.link. Living on crypto is easier than you think with Bitrefill. Choose from over 4,000 gift cards and mobile top-up options from around the world. I used Bitrefill to top up my phone when I was visiting Zimbabwe. It was easy, worked like a charm and I even earned sats back. Pay with Bitcoin, Lightning, Ethereum, Dash, Tether over Tron and many more options. No account is necessary. Join the thousands of users around the world who are living on crypto today using Bitrefill. Join now at bitrefill.com and start earning sets back with each purchase. That's bitrefill.com. Hello, Nicolas Berté. Welcome to the Anita Post Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, so I would be interested in your Bitcoin story. So when did you find out about Bitcoin and, and uh, what was so interesting for you? Yeah, um, do you want to have the short story or the long story? <laughs> the medium story. The medium story, okay. <laughs> so I was living in the US, uh, I guess 2017, I had a, a VR startup. And so I was developing software for video uh, to make 360 video. And uh, so I was in this ecosystem of virtual reality. And basically at my company, we were using a lot of GPUs. And so we were buying GPUs, like all, all of our software were running on, on GPUs. So GPU is graphical units that goes into your, your machine. It's what makes video processing efficient. And the price of GPUs start increasing, which is a very unnatural pattern for G GPUs. You know, typically they, they are big movies every year, there is a new version and maybe the, the high-end GPUs, it will start at $500 at the beginning of the year and 
at the end of the year, it will be at $400, so like they will decline in price, and then there will be a new version being released, and, and this cycle with, uh, we pay it, right? It's like a, an example where technology makes this more efficient every year, and so the price is, is going down, and then you have a new version that is more performant, right? Um, but during this year, 2017, the price of DPU had an inverse curve where they become more expensive during the year, which is something that, you know, should not happen unless there is a disruption in the either in the supply side or the demand side. And here the demand was really skyrocketing because there was this miner that was buying all the supply. And we start seeing on VR blogs, so something very unrelated to you know cryptocurrency, the idea of hey you have this miner on Ethereum that are buying everything they can. And this is how I learned about you know, the blockchain crypto uh, initially and I, I was so surprised by the fact that the gaming industry can be disrupted by miner i had no idea what a miner was that i you know i i wanted to dive more into it to understand why that was the case right and, and so this is my beginning of the journey of of crypto i so my first company was my VR company went down because it was a difficult time in this space at the time and so I knew that I wanted to go into this new industry that I found fascinating I went down the rabbit hole fairly quickly and so I initially I have a mathematic you know background like more technical background not economic so I didn't have this in mind first and so when I started in this journey I join another protocol you know not bitcoin related uh, more like similar to ethereum and i i went into this journey to learn about economics why i was there in 2018 but then i understand that actually the the real thing in this ecosystem is not crypto it's really bitcoin and so i, I left the project I, I i joined to really start working full-time on bitcoin in 2019. And what what was the reason? Why I mean, how did you realize that it's Bitcoin and not crypto? Uh, there is many uh, many reasons, but the you really to really understand Bitcoin, the challenge is you need to understand the economic side of things. And like if you're a developer and you don't understand the economic, like it you know looking at the other cryptocurrency makes sense. Uh, but when you start understanding the economic, you know, the, the constraint on the supply, um, for instance, which is, which is key for a store value, then you start, you know, Bitcoin starts to make a lot of sense uh, in my mind. There is also the innovation that was start to happen on Lightning that for me was very um, insightful because from the perspective of many other cryptocurrency, you know, the stories that, you know, Bitcoin is a slow, you know, dinosaur, like it has not evolved for the last uh, 13 years. But when you understand what money is supposed to be, like, you know, you want something that is actually stable, you know, that doesn't move much. But when you start to understand that actually, it's not because this base layer is not moving much that, you know, you cannot inno innovate on, on layers that is on top of it, like Lightning. And for me, it was a realization that it's, it's probably the best architecture to have where you have this like base layer, this slow, very stable store value. And then maybe on top of it, you, you, with Lightning, you can make Bitcoin effectively money by making it very efficient to send and receive payment, for instance. 
but, but really it's it's uh, the key part is learning about economics right learning about finance which is something i, I had I had no necessary background knowledge before going into crypto. Mm -hmm. And did you also learn about like Bitcoin, the software? I mean, um, because I guess you know a lot about it because otherwise you wouldn't start a uh, Galois, like a, a company that's building open source wallets. Yeah, I mean, I, when I start uh, working on Bitcoin, I, I didn't know a lot about, uh, like, at least Bitcoin Core. I, I still don't know a lot about Bitcoin Core. Uh, if you think about Bitcoin software as Bitcoin Core, um, but uh, to build a wallet, you don't need to know the intricacies of how you know the Bitcoin Core software is being built, because you use it, but you 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 said okay, you know. Uh, what is a block height and it, like you, you call some function with an API to this uh, node, but you don't need to know how, you know, internally the data structure works, um, you know, how the code is being architected. You, you really need if you want to update, you know, and, and to bring new functionality at the level of Beacon Core, but uh, Gallo is really building application on top of Bitcoin and knowing the intricacy of Bitcoin Core is not necessary. Mm -hmm. Which is also actually good to know, I guess, for up-and-coming developers who don't want to work with Bitcoin Core, but then can work on top of Lightning or other uh, second-layer uh, protocols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, we work, you know, with Bitcoin Core, but not inside Bitcoin Core. Right? Like, I think is how we, mm -hmm. we should think about it. Mm -hmm. um, so, what do you think is the most uh, attractive property of Bitcoin? I think it's the uh, best money uh, that humankind have invented. Mm -hmm. And uh, so how did you come up with the idea to go to El Salvador and found uh, Galoy? Did you found Galoy before or did you uh, first think, ah, I want to go to El Salvador and support uh, Bitcoin Beach? How did this come uh, into place? So... I knew I wanted to work on Bitcoin. I did not know what to do when I, I, I said, okay, I want to dedicate, you know, my, I want to create a company in this space and, and, and work on this, right? Um, initially, I was thinking I will do maybe a, a banking system in the US, right? Like um, you can think today in the US there is Weaver or Swan Bitcoin. This is really how I, I came to think about what should I do. But I also knew that, you know, I, I think Lightning was really the thing I wanted to to play with. You know, I, it was like the new technology that was really, for me, that will be the next step for Bitcoin. And so I, I wanted to work with Lightning. And if you want to develop a solution in the US, the difficulty, it will be the same in Europe. The difficulty is that you have a lot of regulatory barrier before you can uh, get your project up and running. And in many ways, like the regulatory barrier is much higher than the technical barrier, right? So like you, you will have to, you know, have a licensing requirement and you have, uh, you have a lot of things to do that are, are not necessarily related to how Bitcoin and Lightning works. It's more like if you basically want to yeah, accept deposit from other people like you, you're really getting those people to give you this money like suddenly you become the custodian of their wealth or you know, some of their wealth and 
And it kind of makes sense that there is some barrier to this. But I really come from the technology side of things where like I, I wanted to experiment more than, you know, spend time with lawyer, right? And so I, after spending some time, you know, trying to do that, I understood that actually it would be a lot more easier to just iterate on the technology first if I was experimenting in a country that was that had a lot lower regulatory burden than the US had. And, and the US has the highest, right? Like this is a place where like you have the most agencies and you have the most uh, rules and it, it's the most, it, it's probably the biggest market in the world, but it's also the one with the most rules and the, the, the one with the biggest uh, barrier to entry. And so I, I was looking for another places where I could work on the technology side of things without having all this uh, licensing requirement. Um, so a, a developing country would make a lot more sense. And so I, I did not know where to go, but I listened to a podcast from Mike Peterson. Um, and then I realized that Bitcoin Beach sounds to be a great place to like actually work with this community to develop this proof of concept. Mm -hmm. Then I think in early 2020, you went to El Sante. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And how, how can you describe a little bit the story? So the, the path that led until to, or to, or to the Bitcoin law. Yeah. So the idea that I went to, to El Sante with my family, spent time there. It was at the beginning of where the wallet was being built. And so the Bitcoin Beach project in, in El Zante was already trying to deploy Bitcoin in El Zante. Initially with blockchain.com, then with Wallet of Satoshi. And so basically I pitched them, hey, you know, you could have your own wallet. It will help you on the adoption because you will have a better understanding of, you know, how many people are using it. And also get an idea of the adoption and, and what merchant may need, you know, that, and, and if it's not your wallet, obviously you cannot just iterate on it. Like you're dependent on, on the developers that are making this wallet. And most of the time, the wallet are international, right? So they have no reason to develop features that are specific to a particular, uh, a particular country or, or village. And, and so I went there to to just experiment how this, you know, how the wallet I'm working on is working and what what are the things that need fixing, right? And so if I can use it by myself there, like it, it's probably the best way to iterate quickly and just make sure the wallet fits the need of the people on the ground. Um, so from here to the Bitcoin law is, I guess, a series of steps, but I think the first thing I can say is that we're not, a, I mean, I think we have been inspirational to the Bitcoin law, but we, we were not part of the discussion that led to the Bitcoin law. So like we knew that during the Bitcoin 2021, like El Salvador wanted to announce something, but we had no idea what was about to be announced. Um, the fact that uh, Bitcoin was becoming legal tender, I guess we, we didn't knew about it before it, the announcement was made. And I guess a lot of this background story is also after us, uh, Jack Maller came to also El Zonte and he did a, a huge campaign to 
get people to use a strike wallet. Um, it was also what was creating a lot of uh, um, awareness about you know Bitcoin in in the country, and this is why I guess uh, the president Bukele reached out to him and and then you know decided okay we we might want to work together to bring Bitcoin to El Salvador. But then uh, it turned out uh, to be di differently. Like he didn't work with Strike. He didn't work with you. Like he, the the government of El Salvador. I mean, uh, so they they built their own Chivo wallet, which is closed source, and nobody really knows um, what's going on behind. Um, what's your take on that? So there is a. I don't know a lot of the necessarily all the, <laughs> the background story about it. So. Everything I'm saying is what I, you know, I, I could understood from I could understand from uh, communication, typically on Twitter. Um, my take is that the government had a very aggressive timeline to go from the announcements of the Bitcoin law to the law being effective, and it was only three months. Mm. Uh, and why is that so so fast? I don't know, but my speculation would be that. The president Bukele was thinking that it's maybe better for this law to become effective sooner than later, because mm. the more we wait, the more it is possible that there will be pushback from international entity to say that no, no, like you, you know, it, it's a bad idea to to do that. And we actually have seen over the last uh, week or so uh, the IMF said like you know. El Salvador should stop the the Bitcoin experiment. What they said, the Bitcoin experiment, and mm. and if I guess uh, Bukele was more thinking in terms of how you develop software, he would have said, okay, you know, we need six months to <laughs> develop the wallet, and therefore, like you know, maybe the law will become effective. I don't know, end of twenty twenty one, you know, early twenty twenty two. But I guess it, you know the. The short time frame was not decided by how software should be made. It's more like by maybe political uh, thinking, right? And this is why probably the Chivo wallet was a bit rushed and there is a lot of uh, issue that I think are being resolved over time, but there is still uh, issue with the Chivo wallet, I believe. Yeah, you mean like the close to us issue? Yeah, yeah. I mean, closer yeah. than also like there is, sometimes you send money from it and like the... You know, you don't know it's not being credited to your wallet, so there is also an issue related to mm. just the functioning of the wallet. Mm. Okay, let's go back to the Bitcoin Beach wallet. Um, so, when you started working there, um, how many people, like you, were working on it and your team? How big was it at the beginning? Uh, so, we were three at the beginning. Uh, so, I had another developer working with me, Kartik, and so we are two developers and Chris, also my co-founder, was helping on non-technical things. Mm -hmm. And how many people started using Bitcoin Beach in 2020-21 before the Bitcoin law came into effect? It was in the thousand, I think. Mm -hmm. so, so a thousand from El Sonte, I guess. We don't know, but most, mm. mostly, yeah, for sure. 
Mm-hmm. And um, how did this change then when the law came into effect? How many uh, downloads did you have then or how many people do you think used it from then on? So uh, there was a lot of downloads both during the time the law was announced and during the time the law was passed. But a lot of those downloads was not necessarily converting to long-term usage. It was a lot of people were maybe curious and mm-hmm. maybe they look for Bitcoin on the Apple Store or the Play Store and they just find the wallet and wanted to have an idea of what, what is Bitcoin, right? And the, the, I would say the more long-term usage, you know, build over time. Like, so, so you, you see during these two events, yes, there is a huge search of download, but you know, then the regular monthly user is, is, is more, you know, going up over time, independent of this big spike, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the specialty of the Bitcoin Beach wallet is basically that it's not a custodial wallet and it's not really a individual non-custodial wallet. It's something in between. It uses uh, shared custody. Can you tell us a little bit about this model and why it is important for communities uh, in, like in El Sonte or in other maybe developing nations or in areas where people are not that well educated, if I may say so? Yeah, yeah. So it's if we think about the trade-off, you know, non-custodial versus custodial, like there is a lot of, like it, it's not black and white, right? It's really there is a shade of gray. And, and the Bitcoin Beach Wallet is, is really more on the custodial side than the non-custodial side. But as you said, there is a way the Bitcoin has been stored, which is something we call a shared custody. Probably to explain this analogy better, I think it's helpful to explain how an exchange is working. Like think of you know the big exchange like the Coinbase, Kraken of the world. Um, the way they work is they store a lot of Bitcoin for their user, sometimes you know, hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin. And of course, they want to have the maximum security for those Bitcoin. So what they use is a multi-sig where there is in different geography, people have, so some, some people within the company have one key. And so it might be even on different continents, right? Maybe there will be some key holder in Europe, maybe some key holder in, in North America. And so to spend those funds, basically we need to have different people that come to sign like a, a transaction. And maybe it's a three out of five. And so the idea is that three people should sign the same transaction for this fund to move out. And this is how we achieve maximum security to secure the, the Bitcoin is to get this distributed key signing if you want. Uh, but one of the downside of this is as an exchange, you also have people that are sending Bitcoin and withdrawing Bitcoin all the time, right? Every, every minute, every 10 minutes, like there will be people that, hey, like I have, you know, $500 in Bitcoin, I want to, to redeem it. But you don't want to have this very secure storage multi-signal to have to sign a key every time someone wants to withdraw a couple of hundred dollars because then it's it, first like it will be cumbersome it will be slow and maybe it will also uh, hinder the security because if people are used to sign transaction every minute like they, they will not really think as much about it versus if they have to do it one time a week and so the model that an exchange have is that they have maybe 99% of their phone is this very secure multi-sig cold storage. 
the keys are not on a computer, like it's uh, in a vault, it's, it's very protected. And there is one person of the phone that is in what we call a hot wallet. And those phones are in a computer. So if the computer that hosts those uh, Bitcoin would be compromised, those phones could be, could be stolen. But it's, it's a good trade-off so that like if someone wants to redeem their Bitcoins, they don't have to wait. They can just have their Bitcoin in the next 10 minutes. And basically what we are doing with Bitcoin Beach is we're producing this um, architecture where on one hand, we have this multi-sig in cold storage for maximum security of the Bitcoin. And on the other hand, we have this hot wallet where if you want to pay for a coffee and you want to send 2000 sets over lightning, you don't need to have people signing manual transactions in different geographies. But now the interesting thing is that who can be the key holder of this multisig? So let's say we have a three out of five multisig. And what a three out of five multisig means is that there is a total of five key, but to move the Bitcoin, you need to have at least three keys sign a transaction. And if those, if, if those, yeah, if, if the, Maybe I should not enter too much into detail, but if, if three people sign independently, then we can, we can move the phone. The idea is that in a, in a company like maybe Coinbase or Quacken, you know, this will typically be people from, from this company, right? From, from Coinbase will be signing it. But there is no need for that. You can also distribute those key to different independent key holders. And in the case of you know, Bitcoin Beach, you can say maybe it should be different people in the community that are you know, known in the community and that also understand the, how you know, Bitcoin works. Like they need to be fairly uh, well, they need to have a good understanding of, of how multisig works and how Bitcoin works uh, because they, the, the day they have to sign a multisig, you know, they should know how to do it. And if something is wrong, they should understand that something is wrong and maybe do not do anything and wait until, you know, they have clarity about what's, what is happening. Mm, and they also have the responsibility to keep the store the keys safely and, and yeah, don't lose them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so um, what I'm interested, so the, the Bitcoin Beach Wallet, I thought it's a lightning uh, wallet only, but now I seem to understand it's also a Bitcoin blockchain, like base layer wallet, because uh, you have the keys, the seed. And um, can I use it with a hardware wallet combined to have cold storage? So, so there is, you can think of the wallet as two different layers. So there is a layer of the end user And from the end user perspective, so if you go there, you download the wallet on, on the Play Store and you use it um, to pay for your coffee. From this perspective, it's a Lightning wallet. Uh, it, it's a custodial wallet. Um, this wallet, you can send on chain, you can send on Lightning, you can receive on chain, you can receive on Lightning. And we also have a, a, like a smart routing system where like, if you show me a QR code, an on-chain QR code from the Bitcoin Beach, And I pay you from Bitcoin Beach. Actually, we don't use on-chain because we know that the wallet knows that, okay, this 
uh, address I'm supposed to send Bitcoin to is actually belong also to me. So like I can just do what we call an intra-ledger transaction. We don't need to use a chain, basically in that case. And so we have three, you know, way to think about it. There is intra-ledger, not using actually any Bitcoin related protocol. We can use Lightning or we can use uh, on-chain. But this is the experience from the, from the end user. From what we call the bank owner, so the, the I guess the person of the group of person managing the wallet, then there is two aspects. There is a multi-sig, which is on-chain, and it's where keys are not on the server. And there is also the hot wallet, which is both a lightning wallet and an on-chain wallet, where the keys are on the server. Okay, understand. So, um, I mean, that's, I don't know if that's a clever question, but so <laughs> if I'm an individual um, holding my keys at the moment on one hardware wallet, single seat, yeah, and I want to go into using multi-sig, would it actually be an idea to, to use the Bitcoin Beach wallet and then look for, for friends or family or partners I trust and tell them to hold the, the multisig for me, like be my community members, basically? So you don't want to use uh, so the gallery stack for that. Uh, in that case, what you might want to do is to use Spectre desktop. And you can, you can go from like, so first, like in that case, the use case you describe is a non-custodial use case. It means that I have my key, I know how to manage your other wallet, and now maybe I want to go in a stage where I have even higher security from where I am today. Um, having multi-sig is, if done properly, is higher security than single-sig because then your key are distributed in different places. And you can get your fund to help you, know, you to maintain some of the keys. That's, that's, that's typically a good idea. So if you want to do that, you can use Spectre Desktop, which is actually what we use for multi-sig solutions. So, when they need to have a transaction being signed on the backend, it, it's, it's Spectre. So it's, it's a hosted version of Spectre where people could just, you know, depending on their wallet, they could just go on it and sign it. And, um... Mm -hmm. um, okay, understand. So what was my next question? What I'm, I'm, I'm interested also, um, your, um, now I, as I saw that on your website now, you're also offering the Bitcoin Beach Wallet in other forms for companies, is that right? So what's the idea here? So, so the first thing to in mind is Bitcoin Beach is an implementation of the gallery stack. So the gallery stack is really the software that the Bitcoin Beach is running. But for instance, you have a, a community in Costa Rica that is called Bitcoin Jungle and they have their own wallet. And if you go to the Play Store or you know you, you will you will see Bitcoin Jungle and you can download it. And it's more or less you know running the same code as Bitcoin Beach Wallet, but it's they have their own keys, they have their own you know uh, backend, they have their own wallet. It's uh, it's running the same code but it's it's uh, you know Everything else is segregated because they have their own, they, they maintain their own wallet. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe it's something that you know, doesn't exist today in the Bitcoin system, right? Because today there is, every wallet, you know, is typically being launched only once. So there is no difference between the source code and, and, the, and the implementation, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
But here, basically, we're trying to develop like a, a generic wallet system that, you know, if you want to have your own wallet and you have a large audience and you could say, hey, I, I want to have the Anita wallet and, you know, maybe I'm living in this country where it's legal to have, to have this wallet and I, you know, I want people to use it. I know how to handle the security and things like that. It will be Anita wallet and it will be maybe similar to the Bitcoin Beach wallet, but it will be for your own community. Mm-hmm. And um, so if someone is listening and wants to start his or her own community, um, what are the most important things to know and learn? So it, it depends on what, what is your goal, right? Like if your goal is to get if it's to get people into Bitcoin, but you are not a technical person, like, you know, you could start with a meetup, you know, you can start a meetup and you can have people get into us into, into Bitcoin, for instance. And if you want to have your own wallet, like the, it's very different. The bar is much higher because now you're asking people to give money to the wallet and manage it. And so the, technical level required to get there is, is, is much, much higher. Um, and I, I don't think it should be for everyone should want their own wallet, right? It's only if you, if you want to have a, a, a larger scale project and, you know, you envision that it will benefit thousands of people to, you know, to have a, a community wallet, then you can go into this if you have the technical knowledge to, to do it. But if your goal is to say, you know, your family, you want to help your families and, and, you know, you're thinking about a group of maybe 10 people, (laughs) then what we are developing is it's too complex to just like a a very small group of people. Mm -hmm, Understand. So if you, if someone wants to start uh, a community in, in anywhere, I don't know where, uh, then he or she needs to have really advanced technical knowledge about Bitcoin lightning wall, uh, light, lightning nodes, uh, lightning channel, managing lightning channels and liquidity and things like that, right? Yes, um, a lot more than just this, yes. <laughs> <laughs> more than just this, yeah, okay, yeah. wow, okay, understand. Okay, so... Um, I've seen I've seen on the website that the Bitcoin Beach wallet also um, has intra-bank transfers. Is this something different than what you meant with uh, intra-ledger? Um, oh no, not intra-ledger. What you said before, you don't can, uh, go. Yeah. Um, so, what are intra-bank service uh, transfers? Uh, I think we meant intra-ledger, so we're probably talking about the same thing. <laughs> Uh, you know, that said, there is a, a work in progress that is on the gallery stack, which is to have fiat on-ramp, fiat off-ramp, um, and this should be here in, in a few weeks. So the general idea is that when, and this is a learning from what has happened in Exante, is that so that is in, in Exante, why was it a very good place to bring Bitcoin is because 70%, if not more in Exante, of the population were unbanked. And the reason they were unbanked is because for a bank, there is too much regulatory overhead to open a bank account for someone that doesn't have enough wealth because the cost of opening a bank account is higher than you know, how much money they could earn from that user. And it's really a factor of 
a lot of the regulatory overhead that I talked, you know, uh, initially. The oh. so the and it's because El Salvador uses the U.S. dollar, which have this very high bar uh, regulatory wise. But if you come up with uh, permissionless money, you don't necessarily have to have this high bar, right? And so people can just own Bitcoin without doing necessarily like extensive KYC, right? If, if you go to the Play Store and you download a wallet and someone is willing to send you Bitcoin, then you can have your bank account is here. But of course, the downside of Bitcoin, if you need the money in the short run, is the volatility. Because if you receive $100 of Bitcoin, but you know, two weeks later, this $100 was $50 and you need to spend it now to pay for your rent, then there is a problem if you, know, you don't have enough money because the price of Bitcoin dropped. And the general idea is that if we can come up with a solution that work on Lightning, so I can send and receive Lightning because Lightning is really the payment protocol of Bitcoin, right? If I want to send you $10, on-chain Bitcoin is not great, but Lightning Bitcoin is a perfect solution, right? It's permissionless and I, I, can, I, I can send you money. You receive it instantly. You don't have to wait. Like it's just the perfect payment protocol. But no, okay. Maybe you don't want to receive $10 in Bitcoin. You want to receive $10 in dollar and keep it in dollar, right? But if you want to be compatible with my wallet, which is Lightning wallet, no, like you, you need to have a Lightning enabled wallet that's settled in USD. And this is what we are working on with our, our like thinking about bringing USD to the wallet. It will be, you can send and receive USD, but through Lightning. Mm -hmm. A little bit like in the Strike wallet. Yes. Uh -huh. But without KYC. Need. So uh. whether you did KYC or not will be, uh, it will, you will be able to decide on the implementation side. So we're working with some other projects that are not yet uh, public, but like in the jurisdictions they operate, they need KYC. And so, you know, you will have to do KYC before you can use a wallet. But if you want to deploy the wallet in a place that doesn't need this regulatory, uh, this KYC check, then you, you don't have to. It, it's really depending on you know where your wallet is operating. Mm -hmm. How important um, is privacy for you as a developer uh, of a wallet like that? It's uh, it's important, but at the same time, it's we're really building a custodial wallet, right? And so if you if privacy is on top of your mind, like you might not want to use a, a, a custodial wallet, right? You might want to use a privacy-oriented wallet. So for me, privacy is, is important. Um, but the way I think about it is, if you think about Elzonte again, like we are giving access to those people for the first time, we're giving them a, like a, a, a banking solution Prior to that, they used to, they have to use cash for everything they do, right? And when you are only using cash for your store of wealth, basically you cannot really store any wealth, right? And for them, privacy is not really their concern, right? When you are in a place where, you know, you need money for cover your living expenses and have the demands, like you don't know if you will have enough money, like you don't think about privacy that much, right? And so privacy is pretty much a concept that is very important, like in, 
you know, in, in the US or in, in Europe, but maybe in developing country, at least it, it depends on where, you know, which type of jurisdiction, but um, it may not be as important. I think it's very important, but the thing is that people don't have the time, neither the money or the luxury uh, to protect themselves. So I, I think that that's even more important to build in these privacy protection uh, possibilities uh, from our like Bitcoiners side. But as you said, uh, of course, for, for a semi-custodial wallet, it's difficult, then you need to use a privacy-oriented uh, wallet. Yeah? So that, that's another possibility. Yeah. And, and I guess there is a... So the mission that we are on is to make it very straightforward to develop your own wallet, you know, in your own village or city or jurisdiction, generally. And if we reduce the cost of creating your wallet to zero or like close to zero, one of the, I guess, benefits privacy-wise is that if in five years from now there's like 100 or 1,000 or 10,000, you know, very small bank running on our tech stack or, or some other tech stack, right? Uh, because it will be small, like it's also much better than to, you know, to have 10,000, you know, small banks versus having maybe five, you know, gigantic bank, you know, Goldman Sachs and Citi. And so this is also mm. maybe how, you know, it could improve privacy uh, mm. is by, by having those yeah, wallets spread around at a small scale in terms of having, you know, a few big wallets. Um. Mm. Mm. Yeah, right. It's also interesting. Yeah. So I was talking uh, with Josh Young from New Story um, the last time, and he told me that they are building uh, houses in El Zonte at the moment uh, for homeless people, and that they are giving out the first Bitcoin-backed uh, mortgages. <laughs> um, and also, you're you're working together with them. What what is it? What you're building here? Yeah, so it is to. So, so the reason New Story is able to to do those uh, mortgages is also because the cost for them to collect the money is, has been going low as a result of you know, people who only had cash before, you know, know they can pay money um, with a, a, a wallet, uh, with a phone. And so it means you know, they don't need to have someone that goes there and you know, try to collect the money and, and stuff like that. No, it's, they're using you know, digital tooling that reduce the cost, which is great because you now if you want to collect fifty dollar right uh, every month, like it doesn't make a lot of sense to have someone <laughs> go there physically and maybe go there back if the money is not here or something like that, right? Uh, because it will take a non significant non insignificant part of your the money you're trying to collect. But by making this digital, you know, they're able to makes this mortgage effectively less costly and so people can afford a home which is a, a key part of it and so the way we work with them is to help uh, in the bitcoin beach wallet like help people that need to send money for the mortgage you know do it very efficiently mm -hmm. yeah a great project also uh, i'm 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 yeah <laughs> um excited to hear from all these developments and uh one question is also what's the business model for galloway so how do you earn money so the general idea is that if you let's say you want to have your anita wallet for it um and you, you have a community you think you 
your community will benefit from having your wallet and you also have a business model around it. Um, you could use our code base. So you could go on github.com slash gallery money and just fork our repository and deploy it. And if you're technically savvy and you have a team, you have a small team, you, you could do it uh, on your own. But if you would like to have your wallet, but you don't have the technical expertise, you could hire us to help you do that. Okay, so it's the, the classical open source uh, software company uh, business plan in a way. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. So, and uh, what are the future plans for you um, in the next, let's say, one year? Uh, I already mentioned about it. So, on our side, like bringing USD to the wallet, to the stack is, I guess, something that is important and we're working on. There's a lot of other things we are working on. Um, for instance, we currently have a mobile wallet, but we're also working on a web wallet. So the idea is that if you don't want to install um, mobile application, you could just go to an URL and you know you can send and receive Bitcoin from a URL, like it's another uh, application we're working on. Generally, we are trying to make it easier to deploy your own wallet. Currently, you need to be very technically savvy to do it. Um, and we are doing a lot of work to try to make it easier, right? To reduce the barrier, basically, to create your own wallet. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay, so another question, a more general, one of the last questions. Um, what do you think do most people overlook in the public when they talk about Bitcoin? Or what is a misconception uh, in the media and on Twitter, for instance, about Bitcoin? bothers you the most? Well, I think this is changing, but, and this is the, how Gallery was founded, is really the idea that lightning is what makes Bitcoin money. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the belief still that Bitcoin is, is like heavy, it, uh, it's slow, uh, it's expensive to move, and it's just digital gold. Yeah, and, and lightning makes it, you go from digital gold to uh, and digital gold is, um, I think, is the uh, most important emotion of Bitcoin. Uh, like, I think Bitcoin doesn't need to necessarily become money because having this, like, store of value that, you know, is, is independent of every nation state is, is uh, have a, a strong reason to be here. But if we can also not only have digital gold but have money, then it's allow places like El Zonte to suddenly, you know, rely on it as, as money, which I think is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Thank you for that. So thanks, Nicholas. Uh, where can people find and follow your work? So Twitter is probably the best place. Uh, Nicolas Burte, I'm sure you will uh, put it in the show notes and also GitHub, uh, same handle. Okay, then <laughs> thank you very much. Have a good day and uh, see you soon, I hope. Thank you, Anita. That's it. Thanks for joining again the Anita Posh Show. Please subscribe to my podcast feed or here on YouTube. A special thank you for supporting the Bitcoin for Fairness initiative goes out to the Human Rights Foundation, which is uniting the world to stand against tyranny. Leben.io, financial services for holders of digital assets and OKCoin, the globally licensed cryptocurrency exchange. 